0: time for Montana's only daily sports talk show, is Now.
1: Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
0: What's up, Montana? Welcome in. Hope you're having a phenomenal Thursday. Thanks so much for listening. It's Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio. Maybe you're tuning in SWX Montana Television. Maybe you're rolling on the ESPN Montana app. If you don't have the app, check it out. Pretty slick, pretty cool. Great way to watch the show, listen to the show, stream the show, both live and archived. And a great job by the boys in the back for getting that thing all up and running. ton to get to today. We're going to go uh, with a little blindside like we've been doing, which is kind of fun, but this one has a theme. We go back and forth talking about and debating the best of the best, the best athletes in each sport right now. I think that there's some definitives and some uh, maybe some debates to be had. That will lead us into then probably a conversation about the NFL and quarterbacks. The media tells you that the quarterback position is the most important position in sports. I agree, but not on the level that they want you to believe. I think part of that is storytelling, narrative building, and all that. Yet, you got to have a great quarterback if you want to win a Super Bowl, or at least it gives you the best advantage to do so. There's a lot of great young quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Not so many great young quarterbacks in the upcoming NFL draft. So we'll get into some of that here right off the top. We also got a couple gentlemen from the... uh, montana fishing film festival coming by it's the ninth year of the montana fishing film festival and uh, this year as they have the last couple years we'll we'll talk some fishing but i think these guys got a great sort of premise i think people think fishing and they think you know fancy designer gear you got to have a drift boat and a raft and a bunch of gear and you know all these rods and flies that stuff's nice and it's cool if you got it. I and mean, if you do, congratulations. It's, it's a great hobby, sport, and skill all at once. But there's an entry point out there for not four figures uh, in the checking account. And that's sort of the, the the premise behind this. And so they're trying to just share fishing and share fly fishing with the everyman, the everyday guy, the everyday gal, the everyday person. So that would be about 4.30. Uh, Andrew Houghton, our producer in the back, he has a student of the week ready for us. Peyton Smith, a Manhattan cheerleader, a senior. So that'll be a fun one. And uh, then top of the hour, we did a little rearranging. We teased it earlier this week that it was going to happen yesterday, but uh, needed to flip them around for a variety of different reasons. And so Mike Anderson, one of the head coaches for the Grizz hockey team, he'll join us in studio. He and uh, Tucker Sargent, great friend of this show, former co-host of this show, they were texting me earlier. They got big news. They got a surprise coming down the pipeline. So we'll see what that is. And then, of course, as we're going to do every single day on the show until the finals are over, we're going to talk some NBA playoffs because I just love the NBA, and it's just so fascinating the way that it's all working. But a great effort last night, uh, first by the Boston Celtics, to overcome a deficit to the Nets and go up 2 nothing, But then later on in the night game, it was three East Coast games last night, which was kind of weird watching the Bucks finish up and – Uh, the, the late evening hours, it must've been almost midnight in Milwaukee by the time that game got done, but Chicago goes into Milwaukee and wins. So what does it mean for that series? What does it mean for the Eastern conference playoffs going forward? So we'll get to some of that. We'll also probably have a little history lesson as well. So there you go. That's the show outlook presented by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team. Wahlberg team, the official realtors of Grizz athletics. Any questions you have when it comes to real estate in Western Montana, Give Britt and his team a call today. You want to stream the show? Listen somewhere besides your TV, radio, or that sweet Montana, ESPN Montana app. 1029 ESPN.com is your go-to spot. Click there. You can always listen live. And that's where you'll find the stream is by clicking on Listen Live. Also, you want to be a part of the show, about 445, we will have a six-pack of beer and a sandwich from Warden's Market. So remember this number. 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. You can always call or text that number if you want to be a part of the show. Questions, comments, concerns. It's also your best and easiest way to win prizes on this show, including a great prize coming up, a six-pack of beer and a sandwich from Warden's Market. So stay tuned for that. As always, coming to you through the Northwest Motorsports Studio, Northwest Motorsport boasts the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. You can check out that inventory online at nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. So our book of the day today to get us into this conversation about a great athletes. Content, we're, we're doing contemporary athletes today. But the book we have is about. Or is, is called Talking to Goats. And it's all about Jim Gray and his career, and the time he spent with guys like Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Kobe Bryant, Michael Phelps, Mike Tyson, LeBron James, and then, of course, he teases stories he never heard. This is actually interesting. We've been pulling books off the bookshelf for several years now, dating back to the 2 tell Nuwana's days. I have read every single book we've ever featured on the show, except this one. Got this one. This is a new book. I got this for Christmas last year. Actually... I know exactly what I got. I got it for Christmas two years ago. I'm calling myself out now. Sorry, Mom. (laughs) She has a nice note written in here. uh, Says, Merry Christmas to Coulter for our lifelong love of learning another book to inspire. What a nice note. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) It's not as if I'm neglecting. uh, I've just been working on a whole bunch of other books. I keep all the sports books here. I have all the non-sports books at our house. And, uh, you know, just to sort of Disconnect in my mind I have been not reading that many Sports books at home Cause you know We come here and we talk about sports all day And we talk about sports all show And Andrew our producer is also My roommate and also my uh, one, of, one of our contributing writers at Skyline Sports So you know that's a lot of sports Sometimes I need some thoughts about non-sports <laughs> So I've been reading the Non-sports books but actually after today's show I think I'm going to take this uh, Talking to goats home, but uh, no real analysis of it other than I'm sure it's great. I mean, when the subjects are great, the story is going to be great. And uh, some of the best athletes of all time through the eyes of Jim Gray, one of the legendary broadcast journalists of our time. All right, Andrew, uh, we're going to start with your favorite. We're going to start with some footy. We're going to start with some soccer. Uh, I think it's so – the most interesting part of soccer to me – is how famous it is, or how, how famous, how popular it is around the world and how it, that popularity on a world scale is influencing it to become more popular in America, yet still how much ground soccer has to catch up in America. Partially because our obsession with football at all levels and our obsession with basketball at the college and NBA levels are just unbelievable. <laughs> and Then you you factor in, Gambling and fantasy basketball and football and you know all the different factors that go into it, but I think that if you we have such great uh, discussions and discourse and also arguments and and just hilarious yelling matches about the greats, both contemporarily and all time in football and basketball all the time. But I feel like this question to you for who's the greatest soccer player right now on the earth? This is probably one that's like. Equally, if not more inflammatory, like if I was to throw this out in a pub in Ireland, we'd be throwing down, right? Like if I came to the table, I'm like, dude, Lionel Messi, there'd be other guys there that are ready to just roll me, right? So this is a, from a global scale, probably one of the most fun entry points you can have to this conversation. Well, Colter, you're asking
2: this question at a really interesting time because for the first time in over a decade, the answer is plausibly somebody who's not Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. That's a debate that is a debate that I love, an argument that I love. It's a uh, question that I ask routinely to guests on my soccer podcast, Soccer and Snow and Smoke, which you can listen to on all of your podcast channels, uh, because I think it's uh, an interesting way of how people think about the game, of which of those two guys that, 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 that they like. But after dominating the sport for legitimately over a decade, since Cristiano Ronaldo moved to Real Madrid, uh, at the at sort of the turn of the 2010s, yep, and since yep. Lionel Messi broke out at Barcelona in about 2007
0: 2008, right.
2: Those guys aren't at the top of the game anymore because
0: they're both just a little bit older now. They're right? just they're a little in bit their older, mid thirties. They're still both very good players, but just they're not quite there, right? And they've moved away from sort of the the source of their
2: power. I mean, they Ronaldo the was playing for Real Madrid, Lino Messi was playing for Barcelona. They were two two of the biggest rivals in sports. They were playing yeah, each other right, constantly. Right, right. They were uh, really associated with those teams. Now they're not playing there anymore. Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, has a huge uh, impact at Manchester United, which is sort of where he started his career or where he became very big time. But Manchester United is not one of the best teams in the world anymore, not one of the, not right, one of the 10 right. best teams in the world. They're probably one of the 20 best teams in the world. Sure. Uh, and Lionel Messi is now on a team in, in Paris, in Paris Saint-Germain, where he is arguably not the biggest star anymore because they have Kylian Mbappe and they have Neymar on that team. So, for the first time in uh, since I have been a fan, the answer is somewhat up in the air here, Coulter. Uh, and there are a bunch of interesting candidates. I would not say that Ronaldo or Messi are, are right at the top
0: of that discussion. So, the sort of the rankings of of soccer teams on a global scale became much more palatable and much more easy to to, to discern for Americans when FIFA really took off. The, the video game FIFA. When people were playing FIFA, then they that gives people way more of an organization of like how this is and like oh man, I know this team is like an A plus. I'm going to be this team. And at that time, those guys were big stars. And at that time, those franchises Barcelona and Real Madrid were also they, they gained even more fame stateside because of that game. Now though, who like on the global scale, who, who's the best clubs right now? Liverpool still really good. Bayern Munich. Like who are the best football teams in the world? Well,
2: I think the, the the big two in the Premier League, Liverpool and Manchester City, who are battling for the title right now in the Premier League, are, are probably one and two. They're really close in the Premier League standings. They're extremely uh, rich. They have extremely good managers. They buy players. They can afford to buy anybody in the world but they buy players who fit the system, and they have systems that work really well because both of those managers have been there for a couple years putting their systems in, putting their styles of play in. They're the two best. Real Madrid is still up there. Bayern Munich is certainly still up sure. there. Yep. On paper, that PSG team that Lionel Messi is playing for now is certainly up there, although until they win the Champions League, um, you know, I don't think people will consider them. In that, in that same arena, Chelsea is, is a level below maybe Manchester City and Liverpool, although right. they won the Champions League last year. So that would be, I think, probably, probably the top five right
0: now. When you th- this is a, a great testament. Uh, most of us could only ever dream to have this be the result. But when you type in best soccer player in the world on Google... It just gives you Lionel Messi right away. and then also then goes into a bunch of other lists, most of which he's actually not at the top of. but it's just interesting that he has enough Google juice when you type it in. he, he still comes up just his Wikipedia profile but but he's not the guy, right so who who is? I mean who is the who's probably like the leader in the clubhouse for this? I think there are probably three or four really good candidates. Uh,
2: Robert Lewandowski, yep. Bayern, Bayern Munich's Polish striker, is the leading yep. scorer, of course, in the Bundesliga this year in the in the German league, uh, but also in the Champions League this year. He's been sort of the guy for the last couple of years, who is the the clear cut number three, mm-hmm, below mm-hmm. Messi and Ronaldo, and he hasn't he hasn't dropped off at all. Although he spent his whole career in the shadow of these guys, and he's in his 30s now, right? Uh, which is so interesting. He's still right up there. Great goal scorer, mm-hmm. brilliant player. Uh, I think you know Karim Benzema has taken over sort of Ronaldo's scoring role at Real Madrid and single-handedly mm-hmm. dragged them through the Champions League uh, he's got 12 goals in nine matches in the Champions League uh, another great great player uh, a, a prodigy when he came up through the French French um, you know system completely under the spotlight because he played at Real Madrid. A, with Cristiano Ronaldo for all of those years. Right, right. He's on the biggest goal-scoring heater of his life. Liverpool's right wing, Mohamed Salah, the Egyptian. uh, I mean, if you're a Premier League fan, you would say this guy's probably
0: the best player in the Premier League. He's so... This is so uh, ignorant of me, but my main entry point for evaluating this sort of stuff is that ESPN does their 100 uh, most... most. um, what do you say? Not even most they have it hundred most influential, but they also have well, I guess part of the influent part of the influence, excuse me, is their marketability. They have like a marketability rating and their endorsement rating and things like that. And Salah is one of the ones that's on that list because he has massive endorsements as well as a huge contract, right?
2: Uh yes, that's right. I mean, and and the Premier League is the biggest money league in the world because of their huge TV deal. Uh, that sort of drives the depth of the league in spending. Um, But yeah, I mean, and Mohamed Salah, because he is from Egypt, he's the most popular player in Africa, which is a huge untapped market. Um, But he's hit sort of a, a new level this year. He's an incredible player. Very fast, great control of the ball great finisher he's the Premier League's leading scorer this year and will probably finish as the Premier League's leading scorer so
0: he's right up there I think Neymar is still up there Um, I was going to ask you about Neymar because Neymar is is the the other one that's always perennially in like the top 10 or top 12 most influential athletes in the world yeah I mean he's still up there like Lionel Messi he suffers a little bit from playing in
2: that PSG team that is just going to walk to the French League title every year but hasn't won the Champions League yet against all the other best teams in Europe. Uh, their teammate Kylian Mbappe, who's the best young star in the game, Yep. Uh, incredible player. He's right up there, I think. For and he plays for
0: the same club as Messi, right? Messi
2: and Neymar, and Neymar, right? And so
0: that, that's a stacked club.
2: And Mbappe are wow. all playing on the forward line for for Paris Saint Germain.
0: Gotta love it. I love getting educated.
2: Um, and then, you know, for Manchester City, probably Kevin De Bruyne. They're attacking midfielder. The Belgian, um, incredible technical player. Um, pulls off things that that not a lot of people in the world can. So it's a great debate right now. I would yeah, probably say great. out of all those candidates that I would mention, gun to my head, if you had to pick one, I would say Mohamed Salah right now for Liverpool. Wow. In, incredible player and, and an, in an incredible team. Yeah. Um, yeah, he he's something special, man. But for the first time, we can have a debate with seven or eight or, you know, a bunch of names in it. So I'm glad we, we hit that one
0: first. Nuwana's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, as well as the ESPN Montana app. Go download it if you haven't already. Andrew Houghton, our producer in the back with me, Coulter Nuwana's, talking about the best contemporary athletes in a variety of sports, getting things kicked up with the football, with the, uh, the soccer, as it were. Uh, okay, so now this is another interesting one. Baseball, I think that the the baseline answer is Mike Trout. I think that we the fact that we don't go have beers and yell at each other about the best player in baseball is part of what's wrong with baseball. You and I and Kyle Sable could go to the bar tonight and say, who's the best player in the NBA? And we would yell at each other for an hour, <laughs> sitting there drinking our pint. You say, who's the best baseball player? Everybody just says Mike Trout and they just move on. Maybe that's just a lazy answer. Maybe he's so good that it's uh, beyond comparison. But I also think it's so weird that Mike Trout is probably of of the, the four major American pro sports, and then you add in international soccer, he's the one that is like almost without debate, yet he's like one of the least marketed guys. Like Mike Trout only had something like $8 million in endorsements last year. I mean... Guys like LeBron James are getting paid three times that much a month for their endorsements. It's not even the same realm of, of of reality. Well, this is a little bit of a of a facile
2: argument, but Mike Trout's just kind of boring, man. He he's, right. he's a bit of a milk toast guy from New Jersey. His idea for of sure. a good time is you know he's he's big into the weather. Right. He loves going on the Weather Channel and being like the guest meteorologist. I love Mike Trout. He doesn't want his name in the spotlight.
0: He doesn't want his face in the spotlight. No, the other the other thing is Mike Trout has his career has been so boring in the fact that he's just put up pretty much the same numbers for the duration of his career on a team that just pretty much goes like 85 and 78 every single freaking year, never gets in the playoffs. Yeah. He doesn't, they don't get, I want just one baseball playoffs where there's like some Mike Trout drama. Give me Mike Trout up at the dish, you know, two guys on, With his team down two in the eighth inning, but that hasn't happened like ever. Had they even made the playoffs in his career? No. And uh, Really? No? The answer is really no? I I think it's no
2: or one time. That is crazy. Yeah. And here's the other thing with Trout, and you sort of touched on this. He's just so consistent. Right. He's not going to have a—he's the best player in the game, and he's going to consistently be the best player in the game. Right. But he's not going to have a month where he hits four fifty with 15 home runs, and everybody's tuning in to see whether Mike Trout hits another two home runs— uh, Jeff Safford showing me back here. They made it in 2014. Was that his rookie year, Jeff? Uh, I believe that, uh... Yeah. It was his, it was his rookie
0: year. It was his second full season. 2014 didn't win a series. Uh, uh, unreal. Here's one I'll throw at you, uh, Coulter, though. One, one more point on Mike Trout. Uh, I do think you're right, because his his statistics are so consistently great. Like the guy has never hit more than 45 home runs, but he's also never hit less than 29 home runs. He's never had more than 111 RBI, but he's also never had less than 86 RBI. He hits basically, he's a 305 hitter for his career, and he's basically hitting 305 every year. The one thing, though, I would say about Trout, I actually, this is ironic because we always talk about chicks love the long ball. It's so much about the big hit now, you know, just load up the bases and smash the three run home run. I think trout, his allure and his watchability, so to speak, would have been profoundly greater if he wouldn't have reeled it in so much on the base paths. When Mike trout first came in the league, he, he was literally like a 50 stolen base guy. I I think he stole 49 bases that year that they made the playoffs. And his steals, his stolen bases have incrementally gone down. And, and you know, these last couple of years, he has stolen only a couple bases, period. That's one. I was thinking about that the other day when I was, I'm always analyzing why I've lost so much of a luster for baseball. I think that the great base stealer is one of the things that's gone away in the game, which is so weird because objectively people would tell you the game has gotten so much faster and there's so many more fast guys in the league. But people are, because of analytics, are not willing to give it up. Like, think about what if a Ricky Henderson existed right now. Like, they would just take baseball by storm because it would be so exciting. Well, that's absolutely
2: right. Uh, one of the guys that I was most excited for in the last decade to come up from the minors was Billy Hamilton back when we... For sure. You know, because was like, he's just going to break the game. There's no way for the pitcher to get the ball to the plate and the catcher to get the ball to second right. in the time that it takes him to run from first to second. Um, and, and he's had a good career. He's stolen a lot of bases, certainly, um, but never hit enough to really have a have a starting role anywhere. Right. Here's one I want to throw at you, Coulter. Tell okay. me why this guy
0: isn't the best player in baseball. Okay. Shohei Otani. He's he's just the best. He's the best baseball player. Jeff Safford and I talked about this multiple times last summer. If Shohei Otani can't be the guy that brings baseball back to the full spotlight, who can? I mean, the dude is is unbelievable. He's unbelievable. There's no one else like him in the last one. 80, 90 years of baseball? I mean, he's like... I mean, since Ruth. He's the modern-day Babe Ruth. That is crazy. Babe, Ru- Babe Ruth's been dead for 80 years, let alone played like... Babe Ruth played 100 years ago. It's a historic thing that this guy's doing. Do you see what he did last night? Perfect game through six. I think he had two hits. Or, you know... See, and this is, what, this is what I'm saying, dude. The analytics drive me nuts. How are these teams taking guys out with perfect games? Like... Just roll. I, I want to know. I, I know that there's an analytics and there's a math part to it. I also want to know what happened with the evolution of the human body. Like, why are there so many more injuries now? And why are guys so much less durable? Like, I read this story the other day about Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan threw 274 pitches in a game one time. You would, like, go to jail for abusing your player. If you did that now, It wouldn't even be allowed.
2: I think what we're missing when it comes to that history is just the sheer number of guys whose arms were ruined back then. I mean, you're well, not yeah, but seeing...
0: No, and also, Nolan Ryan is one of the great genetic freaks in the history of the world. I mean, he pitched, I mean, for, he he pitched was for 27 years. Yeah, I mean, he threw a no-hitter when he was 45 years old. He was still throwing 97 miles per hour when he was, like, grandfather. I think he actually had grandkids when he was still playing Major League Baseball. He was so old.
2: Yeah, he, he, was, he was crazy. Um I think what you're, what you're missing is that to get the Nolan Ryans, yeah. you have 90 guys whose arms fell off <laughs> in, 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 <laughs> the right. po- in the process. That's process, right. And you don't right. see those guys anymore yeah, because, yeah, you yeah. know, they don't get the chance to do that. Anyway, talking yeah. about perfect games, we need to talk about Roki Sasaki real quick. Okay. Tell uh, me about him. I'm, I have no idea. Uh, he's the new Shohei Otani. He's 20 years old. Okay. He's pitching in Japan's Pro League. Okay. Uh, he threw a perfect game, nine innings, two weeks ago. In his wow. ne- next start. This is in Japan, he did. This is in Japan.
0: Okay,
2: yeah. Uh, I think he, uh, he's a rookie this year. He's one of those hyped pitchers coming out of high school. Throws 100, whatever. Threw a perfect game two weeks ago. In his next start, eight more perfect innings, and they pulled him. Unbelievable. He's working on a streak of 17 innings right now without that's, allowing anybody to reach
0: base. It's unprecedented.
2: I mean, he is Otani, but better as a pitcher. He throws a 100, 101. His splitter is supposed to be nicer than Otani's. That's the pitch that all the Japanese guys use. It's just uh, one of the crazier sports stories that
0: I have heard in a while. Kids 20 years old. So. Uh, yet another referendum on baseball. I hadn't even heard it. Duan <laughs> is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. I, I always circle back because I have to always give the disclaimer. I. I am disgruntled about baseball, not by choice. And I always talk about all this stuff because I want you, everybody out there listening, to give me the reasons why I should get back into it. But they're just – sports is about storytelling, and baseball is the worst sport at telling their story. It's just so uh, obnoxious. Andrew Outen, Coulter Nuana is analyzing the best contemporary athletes uh, in the world right now uh, in their respective sports. We only got a couple minutes, and then uh, we may or may not be getting out for a, a little interview. And if not, we'll continue uh, this discussion. So, we're going to save the NFL for a little while, for a little, for a little later on, because we, we need a little bit more room to breathe on this one. Um, so, where are we going to go next? I want more room to breathe with the NBA or, or the, the basketball as well. How about, this is a is inter- interesting one, because I actually think there's several candidates for this. How about professional fighting? Because there's the there's the arguments for pound-for-pound for pound guys. Like boxing or MMA? Well, that's what I'm saying, is, is just let's just talk about the best fighter in the world. Because right now, I think it's a two-horse race. I think it's between the heavyweight champion of the world in boxing and Tyson Fury, and the uh, UFC heavyweight champion of the world, Francis Ngaku. So I... But I'm I'm here for arguments because I do think some of the MMA guys right now that are a little bit smaller are also, like, ridiculous. And I'm not talking this guy could be – Francis Ngakwe is beating the absolute hell out of every person that's in, like, the lightweight divisions because he's another human bigger than they are. Yeah, you but have I, to go pound this, for pound. I'm just talking the skills of the fighters, exactly. Um, Speaking of this, by the way, complete uh, side note, but did you see that Mike Tyson punched somebody in the face on a plane yesterday? I did see that. Uh, This guy deserved it for sure. And also, Tyson just gave him a couple... Like, love taps from on top of the seat. When when Carolyn, who we're going to discuss this tomorrow on The Chick Who Doesn't Know Sportsman, she was showing me. I was like, there's no way he actually, Mike Tyson, like, right crossed this guy. Because the guy would die. He would no, be dead. He had, a, he had a little scrape on his yeah, forehead, dude. Iron Mike I mean, is he was, pulling punches, no, dude. He, he's pulling punches, but he's not, like, standing and swinging. He's, like, on the top of the seat. Like, yeah. He's, he's giving it to him a little bit, but... Mike Tyson like the full right cross even in his 50s he's he's decapitating most people right I mean yes it's it's like attempted murder at the very least Regardless, okay so where are we at with some of the other non-heavyweights cuz i always like the big guys but uh, there's some really good ones in the non-heavyweight ranks as well i mean kabib comes to mind uh that's so uh, such a uh, an interesting fighter um who's the guy that's the uh the middleweight champion of the world right now he's super sweet too uh well kabib is technically retired right, right. now and right. and has
2: been for a while fighting, i think he's fighting bears i think he's he's just putting on the pounds man if mm. you've seen a recent picture of him he's done with weight cuts he's just uh eating hamburgers and pizza and stuff <laughs> it's good yeah. for him um out of all the mma guys Pound for pound, I think I would take Kamaru Usman, the welterweight champion. Usman is is great. Is uh, Israel Adesanya was who I was thinking of, the middleweight champion of the world right now. Adesanya is great. I think uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, who just defended his belt at featherweight uh, fight, either last weekend or the weekend before. The fight I missed that you guys had a fight night
0: for, right? Yep. That's
2: right. Went over to Kyle Hansen's house and watched that fight, and he just um, destroyed uh, Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, wasn't really a contest at all. All those guys are great. I think th- those are sort of the top three in MMA. I don't really know how to compare the MMA guys to the boxing guys.
0: Yeah, right. I know. I guess, yeah, that, that is interesting. Because I was just kind of thinking of if Francis Ng- uh, Ngannou and Tyson Fury fought, how interesting that would be. Because I think just Tyson Fury is just one of the most interesting athletes, period. Because he's like he's fluctuated so much weight in his life just like away from fighting that he's not this like crazy chiseled specimen but he's also just got cinder blocks for hands and he's just so big and he hits so hard and he's so skilled he's so skilled he's uh, the fact that he used to be so fat i think makes him so agile on his feet because his 275 or whatever is 100 pounds less than he used to be carrying around. So he's like nimble-footed, even though he's looking like an NFL offensive tackle. Yeah, it's interesting. And the the heavyweight champion still,
2: I think, carries a certain amount of cachet. It does. Not as much as it does when it was, you know, Ali or Mike Tyson. For sure. Um, But I think there is certainly a lot of that still in boxing. And definitely, I think, a lot of that carries over to MMA. Um, But I think... You know, for me, in terms of the skills, the total package, um, you know, Kamaru Usman, he he is a champion wrestler in college. He's really added the striking in MMA. He's only got one loss. He's 20 and one. I mean, he's the guy for me right now, although he hasn't fought in a while. He should be coming up on his next fight
0: soon. He's a welterweight champion of the world. That's 170 for those keeping track for UFC. Israel Adesanya is the middleweight champion of the world. That's 185. Are those guys too far apart to ever fight or could they fight? I think it would be risky for Usman to go up.
2: Well, Adesanya's right? a big middleweight because Adesanya moved up to light heavyweight to go after his second belt when right. he lost to right. uh, Jan Blahovic about sure. a year ago. Right, I remember that fight. Um, great fight. Great fight because that was when we were in Boise right. a year ago. Um, so Adesanya, I think, is looking up in weight rather than going down um, and fighting Kamaru Usman. I think also those guys are kind of tight because they're, like, two fighters of Nigerian descent. Um, I think they, you know, I don't know if that
0: fight would ever happen. Okay, interesting. More on the best in the world right now, as we know it, on Nuana's Now coming up a little later. Maybe right after this, maybe a little later in the show, we'll see. Tentatively, hoping to bring you a little interview about the Montana Fly Fishing Film Festival. Uh, And if not, we'll keep talking about this. Either way, Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio, don't change the channel. We're back after this. and Missoula Sports Center. College basketball recruiting merry-go-round continued this week as Montana State landed a transfer from another Big Sky Conference school. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Tuesday, Montana State announced the signing of Robert Ford III, an honorable mention All-Big Sky point guard at ISU. Ford will transfer with one season of eligibility remaining, but he has applied for a medical hardship waiver that would give him a second year. Ford, who averaged 11.4 points per game last season at ISU, will help fill the void left by a pair of MSU guards who hit the NCAA transfer portal last week. Kellen Time a sophomore guard who has served as Xavier Bishop's primary backup the last two seasons, and Isaac Spears, a freshman who played sparingly, each entered the transfer portal last week. The Grizz men's basketball team now has seven new additions to their roster so far this offseason. Montana added Colorado State transfer Deshaun Thomas and his brother Darrell Thomas earlier this month. The Grizz landed Metro State transfer Lolu Oke over the weekend, and Montana signed four high school players. Rhett Reynolds of Shelby, Aiden Bateman of Missoula Big Sky, Jackson Knapp of Renton, and Southern California point guard Isaiah Kerr last week. And finally, on the second day of the Big Sky Conference Women's Golf Championships in Scottsdale, Bozeman native Cameron Bazin fired a one under 71 to help Montana State shoot 302 as a team to sit in seventh place. Entering the last day of the tournament, Montana sits in last place. This 102.9 ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. kick, Metallica. kick, not going to lie, a little fade to black for you here on your Thursday. Hope you have an outstanding week. Thanks so much for hanging out. Nuana's now ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. Do you know a student that's involved in their community? Students that give back in any and all ways, at school, at play, all around any of their communities throughout Montana, math club, marching band, cheerleading, gymnastics, chess club, football, basketball. Any organized activity will help your student qualify to be nominated for the Mattress Firm Student of the Week. We've been doing this all year long. Mattress Firm Student of the Week submissions can be submitted to mattressfirmmt.com backslash students each and every week of the academic school year. We, in association with ABC Fox Montana and SWX Montana Television, will have a Student of the Week. You can find their feature stories on the SWX Montana website, and you can also Always find the interviews here on ESPN Radio, and then at the end of the academic school year, we will award a three thousand dollars scholarship to the student voted on by the winner, or voted on as the winner by you, all of the great people of Montana Mattress Firm Student of the Year coming down the pipe. So if you know a great student to nominate, go to mattressfirmmtcom dot com backslash student. Andrew Houghton did a great job catching up with some of these students for us over the last couple of weeks. Here's his latest interview. Joining us now
2: for another Student of the Week segment on Nuanez Now, Manhattan senior cheerleader Peyton Smith. Peyton just wrapping up her high school career over there at Manhattan. First of all, thank you for taking the time to come on with us.
1: Thank you for calling me. No problem.
2: Just a couple uh, a weeks left in your high school career. How How's it been going as you're coming down to the end here? What's going on? It's,
1: it's crazy. It's already coming to an end, and I'm going to be graduating here soon, but I mean, I'm excited to move on with life and I'm excited for the memories that I made here in Avent So I'm grateful for all those, but I'm excited to move on to say the least.
2: What are you moving on to? I mean, do you have plans, uh, college or, or moving on to something else? Yes. What's the status right now?
1: Yes. So in the fall, I'll be attending Carroll College in Helena, Montana, where I will be continuing as a cheerleader and then studying the pre-PA program there at Carroll. Um, yeah I'm just really excited about going there and making new experiences and making new friends and starting my adult life.
2: That's awesome let's talk a little bit about the cheerleading thing how'd you get into that why did you stay with it throughout high school and of course continuing now at Carroll? Just why has it been such a big part of your life?
1: Well, I originally wasn't a cheerleader. I was a competitive dancer for um, a competitive team in Bo- Bozeman. And then um, I just kind of fell out of that, wanted to try something new. So I just joined my high school cheer team my junior year, actually. So I've only been in cheer for two years now, but it, I just really clicked with it and it really stuck with me. And I've just started to, or I've really loved it the whole time that I've been doing it. And I um, was presented with more options of continuing my cheerleading career. And then Carol gave me those options, so I'm excited to pursue that, going there and bring my personality to the leisure team in Helma.
2: How was that? Is there like re- recruiting for cheerleading? Did they reach out to you? I mean, did you have a bunch of schools reaching out to you, wanting to come uh, and cheer at their schools, or how does that work?
1: Okay, um, well, so in Montana, cheerleading is not essentially considered a sport by the high schools across Montana, so it is considered an activity, so we don't We can't be recruited or given scholarship, but we can be, like, kind of recruited by, like, coaches that do have cheer teams across the state, like, at colleges, but they just can't give you money for it, if that makes sense. Because a lot of colleges, except for Rocky Mountain and Billings, don't offer cheerleaders any scholarship for it because it's not considered a sport, but that is something I will try my best to pursue and try to get that change for future cheerleaders because it completely is a sport and I would love for girls to be able and boys to get scholarship and have that be an opportunity for them to make college tuition a little easier.
2: Well, that's interesting. I'm learning a little bit about the nature of cheerleading in Montana here from a student of the week, Peyton Smith, a senior at Manhattan. Peyton, I mean, you've, you've been a cheerleader for a while. You've been on the sidelines, I'm sure, in a lot of great games. Are there any memories that stand yes. out to you or any moments, any games that stand out to you uh, from cheering and just being on the sidelines?
1: Yes, so many memories, so many memories of my team. So um, some of my biggest memories, I'd say, are from my junior year last year. We won state for football, which was pretty crazy, and that was just crazy to cheer for. Unfortunately, we weren't allowed to uh, formally cheer for it, because of COVID and they had a certain restriction on how many people could be at the game and the cheerleaders did not make the cut, but we did cheer from outside of the school grounds, but that was kind of fun to win state for football. And then last year, we also placed second in the boys class B um, basketball tournament or season, I guess. Um, and that was super fun and to be in the Metro and Billings and just be doing that. That was super awesome to be part of that experience and see those boys win second, first state, and Class B is a big class. There's a lot of schools in Class B, so that's huge that we won second. And some of those are like my favorite memories from being a cheerleader, just winning those big games and being there to support the boys as they continue on and win state titles.
2: That's very cool. Peyton Smith, a senior at Manhattan, telling us about some of her favorite memories from her cheerleading career there. But as you know, if you've listened to a lot of these Student of the Week segments, it's not just about what these students do on the field or on the court. Payton, tell me a little bit about what you, what you do off the court and some of the stuff that you uh, are involved in.
1: At school, I am involved in many different clubs, some ranging from NHS, National Honor Society, um, to FCCLA. I'm the president of my FCCLA club at my school and just being involved in many different clubs across my school has just gotten me really involved in the high school experience and I really am thankful for that. Um, at school, I'm also involved in an in a elementary, um, like, mentor program. It's called Tiger Buddies. That's our mascot, Tiger. And um, just being part of that, having, how it works is you get assigned, uh, like, a little, a little kid in the elementary uh, when you're a sophomore. And then the girl I got, she was a second grader. And so we just, like, go through these past three years. I've just always been her Tiger Buddy once a week, every Wednesday. And just seeing her grow up and being like, kind of like a older sister to her, and just mentoring her and working through some hard times with her, I'm really thankful I was able to be part of that in my high school career. So that's super awesome to be part of all those clubs at school, and I'm very, very thankful to be part of those. Um, outside of school, I'm part. I work at a nursing home in my community, and I'm a I'm an RA, so a resident assistant there. So I just help residents with more intimate care showering, going in the bathroom, that kind of thing. And I just, it's really opened my eyes to getting old and what it's like to be old. And I'd rather have someone who is willing to take care of me in a nice, careful way than someone who doesn't care about my well-being. So I'm really happy I can be that for those residents. And it's really um, opened my eyes to what I want to do with my life. So that has also led me to going to Carroll College and focusing on the pre-PA program and being more in the medical field, working at the retirement home. has just really started that for me. So Outside of school, I'm involved in many things, but I'd say working at the retirement home is one of the
2: big ones. Well, that's very awesome, and that's especially that it's also giving you direction towards what you maybe want to pursue. It's our Student of the Week, uh, sponsored by Mattress Firm here on Nuanez Now, featuring this week, Manhattan senior cheerleader, Payton Smith. Peyton, thank you so much for your time. Anything else that you want to mention about what you've been up to or, or heading off to college before we let you go
1: here? I just say for any high school kids listening, live it up and find what you want to do with your life. Let every experience that you're involved in be something that is going to affect your future. So take it all seriously and take it all in. That's all I'd say to anyone who's listening. But, yeah, I'm just happy and grateful that I was able to be awarded the Student of the Week. Super cool. And I'm happy to talk on this show with you. Thank you for calling me.
0: Live it up. What great advice for the millions listening around the world. Peyton Smith, she's got it figured out. Make the most of everything. It is important. All of it. Thank you, Andrew, for that great interview. Mattress Firm Student of the Week. You can find submission forms for the Mattress Firm Student of the Week at mattressfirmmt.com backslash students. Again, all just any student that you know that's an exemplary, uh, that excels in anything. If they're involved in something in the community, whether it's Band or math club or National Honor Society, cheerleading, gymnastics, chess club, whatever. Go nominate them. At the end of the year, we'll give away a Mattress Room Student of the Year, a $3,000 scholarship that's voted on by all of you listeners here at Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as our great partnership with SWX Montana Television. Matt from the Montana Fishing Film Festival, the ninth season back He'll join us next. Keep it right here, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. The Advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the Advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406 640 4444 today or you can visit montanaadvocates.com and remember you deserve an advocate this is new now on 102.9 espn radio missoula I feel so- What up, Montana? Welcome back. A little Allison chains for you here on your Wednesday. Hope you're rocking out. It's I don't even know what date it is on your Thursday. I should know because we have a six pack of beer and a sandwich from Warden's Market coming up for you in about six minutes. So stay tuned for that. We'll prompt you when we need you to text in. But uh, Warden's Market back at it, giving away six packs and Sandy's here on Thursday All new on Nuana's now. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Maybe you're watching or listening. Maybe you're streaming on the new ESPN Montana app. If you don't have the ESPN Montana app, go download it. Happy now to be joined in studio by Matt Devlin. He's a part of the Montana Fishing Film Festival. They're back for their ninth season, and uh, this event gets underway Saturday night. The door at 6 and the show at 7 p.m. at the Denison Theater. Thanks for being here, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So take us through sort of the history of this thing. First of all, anything that lasts for close to a decade, you must be doing something right. But when you guys first started doing this, just tell us people about like the point of why you do it. What is the Montana Fishing Film Festival and, and uh, what are sort of the broad points you want to convey?
3: That's a great question. I think, you know, anything that lasts that long, it's either successful or uh, you just won't take no for an answer, you know, and... Might might be the latter, but we uh, we had pretty humble beginnings. Uh, the the first show was held in the old Crystal Theater. Oh wow, cool! Yeah, which I feel like you've been here yeah. long enough to remember that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, small beginning. I think a hundred people came. We were like getting uh, camp chairs from my mom's garage. <laughs> <so we laughs> nice, were, like, nice. You know, texting the owners uh, what the like fire marshal capacity was. Um, but it, it just started out of a, a simple uh, desire to show a film that my one of my best friends at the time had made about, you know, fishing around Montana for 10 days. And we were like, you know what? Let's not wait for a platform. Let's make our own platform.
0: Sure. So these are these are majority of just shorts that are just made by your everyday average fly fisherman guy, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they're they're like dynamic, uh, watchable, uh, well-produced documentaries, you know, but sure. they're not... They're not like a Hollywood budget or anything like that. Sure. But they're good. They're good. It doesn't mean they're not good.
0: And so the 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 whole broad ramification of this then is that it, it sort of so shows uh, the diversity of people that are involved in fly fishing, right? Because I, that's what I said off the top of the show. I think sometimes, especially now with the way Montana's evolving so much and that we're growing so much, there's so many people from out of state, and there are the fishermen out there that, you know have $10,000 with the gear on, and, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to be Brad Pitt, River runs through it, <laughs> yeah. but there's a lot of ways to do this thing, right? And this sort of shows, like, all of the different ways that you can enjoy fishing. You don't have to necessarily have, you know, five figures on your back, right?
3: Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know if we coined this phrase, but we, we sort of like to highlight the the backyard angler, you know, so people fishing close to home, you know, in, in kind of Doing things that the viewers, the audience, can actually see themselves doing on the weekends. And, right. and we, we also want to give a platform to, you know, female anglers. And uh, we like to bring diversity into the space and just show, you know, people from all walks of life fly fishing because it's it's just such a great pastime.
0: Montana Fishing Film Festival. It's Saturday night, Denison Theater here in Missoula. Doors open at 6 p.m. The show starts at 7. You can find all the information you're going to need mtfishingfilmfest.com. That's mtfishingfilmfest.com. Matt Devlin in studio with me here on Nuance Now ESPN Radio. How about a six-pack and a sandwich? That sounds like a great thing to take while you're going fishing. Warden's Market, hooking it up like always. Texter number four, text us fishing. Right now, the fourth person to text fishing. We got a six-pack and a sandwich, courtesy of Warden's Market. Do it right now, 406 888 one zero two nine that's triple eight one zero two nine. Text texture number four fishing I'll get you hooked up down there at Warren's Market corner of Spruce and Higgins Missoula's oldest grocery store is there any uh films that you've heard about in this year's uh, uh festival that uh, you're looking forward to or maybe that you've seen that you're that you're excited for the rest of the, the folks to see
3: yeah you know we, we we've got this film called on the edge um these five female anglers take kind of a, a once-in-a-lifetime trip back into the Bob Marshall, and uh, they, they brought, you know, pack rafts with them, and it's just, you know, mostly filmed on, like, handheld cameras and GoPros and stuff, so it's, I don't know, it's it's very approachable, it's, like, something that most people can go do, but few actually will go do, Interesting. Um, and that's, that's a, yeah, it's called On the Edge, plays in the first half of films, and that's one to look forward to, for sure.
0: Anything else that people need to know about this or, or ways that they can maybe get involved other than obviously just showing up, buying tickets, supporting you guys? Is there any other ways that they can get involved?
3: Uh, yes. Yeah, step step one is is come check us out. You know, yeah, if, right. If, if you've heard about us but maybe you haven't caught our show in a while, um, I think I think this is the year to do it. You know, quick shout out to the Montana Film Office, Clack of Craft, Drift Boats, Sims, First Security Bank, The Trail 103, 3, of course – and uh, Orvis actually is just a, a, new, nice. a new sponsor.
0: Cool. Yeah, those are a c- couple of the, the names of names in the in the fishing world. So um, very cool. Again, it's the Montana Fishing Film Festival here in Missoula, Saturday, 6 p.m. for the doors, 7 p.m. for the show. It's at the Denison Theater there on the University of Montana campus. You can find all the info you need, mtfishingfilmfest.com. That's mtfishingfilmfest.com. I know it's uh, it's a sin to ask somebody where their, fam- their favorite fishing spots are, so I, I won't ask you that. But um, wh- anything else you want to add when it com- comes to this or uh, what you hope people might take away if they do attend or uh, do get involved with you guys? I,
3: I just want people to take away, like, hey, let's, you know, let's drop the ego and the pretension and let's just, like, For sure. celebrate fly fishing. Let's make it fun. You know, let's not have this vibe where you walk into a fly shop and if you're not decked out, you know, you don't get uh, treated with the same courtesy and respect. Let's 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 just chill out a little bit and let's catch the vibe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's great because I, I I must admit I had did, done nothing but I, my buddies always asked me if I want to go fishing. I said, I'll go rowing. I'll yes. row for you. I was never much of a fisherman. I always wanted to just row the river. But well, then I got into fly fishing a little bit during the pandemic because it's like, what the hell else am I going to do? I got to yeah. go golfing or fishing if I want to do anything. And uh, it is a little intimidating sometimes when you're getting into it. But it's a great point because, you know, it's a, it's a sport for everybody. It is. Uh,
3: and, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, people that, that don't have all the bad habits and haven't been doing it forever. Sure. Pick it up more quickly than other totally. People, you know.
0: That, that's interesting. I think you saw that a lot. Uh, through the last couple of years as well as this uh, sport has continued to grow. One last time, it's the Montana Fishing Film Festival. Matt Devlin in studio with me. You want to check it out, mtfishingfilmfest.com. Thanks for being here, man. This was fun. Thanks for
3: having me, and, and welcome to the club as a as a fly fishing yeah, that's person. That's right. Yeah. Hey,
0: Gotta love it. is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, hour one in the books, hour two coming at you, little Grizz Hockey, Mike Anderson in the studio. They've been teasing a surprise. We'll let you know what it is. Right for this, keep it right here, it ESPN Radio.